Welcome to First Importance, the official podcast of the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis, Arkansas. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and encouraged today by this message. Let's pray together as we begin this service. Father in heaven, we desire for your name to be magnified, to be honored, to be regarded as holy in this service by our lips, by the songs that we sing, by the words of our mouth, by our hearts, and the meditation of our minds. We want everything to please you. So Lord, would you take this time we have together and use it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good evening. Isn't it good to be in God's house this evening? I love gathering together for our midweek service. It's always a great time together. We've got a few announcements for you. I'm going to put those up on the screen. Let those go ahead and roll on. I want to remind our senior adults, you'll be lunching at Big John's Shake Shack on Thursday, May the 18th at 11 a.m. Miss Melba needs a head count by May 17th, so make sure you get with Miss Melba very soon. And are there some other announcements? Also, our finance ministry meeting will be Sunday, May the 21st at 6 p.m. and our deacons will meet that Monday, May the 22nd. And then also Vacation Bible School is coming up, twist and, not twist and shout, it's twist and turns. Okay, twist and turns, family fun. We're going to have a kickoff uh, night uh, for our summer activities. Uh, For Vacation Bible School and everything else that's going on in the summer, that will be May the 24th. So instead of having our prayer meeting in here, we'll be gathering out there. You're going to get to put into practice what we're learning in here this week and next, how to share the gospel uh, when we go out and host this event for our community and hopefully have opportunities to share the gospel. That is May the 24th from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Are there any other announcements or is that it? I'm taking it. That is it. All right, we'll put that logo up there. Also, this Sunday, I want to encourage you, all of you be in church service this Sunday morning. We have a very, I mean, just a God awesome announcement that we're going to make this Sunday morning. I want you to be here this Sunday morning, uh, and I'm not going to give you any clues as to what it may be, other than to say it is wonderful news for First Baptist Church of West Memphis. Make sure that you are here this Sunday morning uh, for that. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be all over the place today, and uh, it's never good when a pastor says that, all right? Either they're nowhere uh, in the Scripture when they say that, they just... They just say that uh, uh, to draw your attention there. Or you think, oh my goodness, this sermon is going to go on forever. I have four points. We'll go through them fairly quickly tonight as we look at personal evangelism. And last week, we, we gathered and we prayed over uh, our uh, lack of personal evangel- evangelism. We prayed that we might be uh, c- committed witnesses uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And over the next few weeks, I would like to take you through the textbook of Dr. B. Gray Allison, uh, one of uh, the heroes uh, I certainly know in uh, my walk with Christ and the, uh, the uh, help found uh, 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 founded Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, an evangelist. He's passed away. I was fortunate enough to be able to have him as a professor and uh, recently got my hand on one of his 
uh, one of the textbooks that they have used his notes to and compiled a textbook for Dr. Allison's class. And so I, I want to borrow very liberally from his uh, textbook tonight and talk to you about the soul winner's motivation. The soul winner's motivation. If any of you are interested in purchasing that textbook, uh, come and see me afterwards and I'll place an order uh, uh, from uh, Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary. It'd be a good way for us to support them and also for you to add another uh, important book to your library at home to help you be more equipped in, uh, in following Jesus. Tonight we're going to look at the soul winner's motivation. And uh, tonight, if you're taking notes, let me go ahead and give you our four points. That doesn't mean that you can tune out. It means you got to tune in. Our first point is... A call from above, our second point, a call from beneath, our third point, a call from without, and our fourth, a call from within. What is your motivation for sharing the gospel? What is your motivation for being a personal witness? In the coming weeks, we'll look at how we are to be a personal witness, and we'll look at some practical tips of how to share the gospel. We'll look at scripture and we'll find that method together in Scripture and learn how we can share the gospel personally uh, to people in our lives. But tonight I want to talk to you, what is your motivation in proclaiming the gospel and being a personal witness to your neighbors, friends, family, and everyone around you? Number one, our motivation should be that we have a call from above. And if this were the only call that we have, believer, it would be more than enough. The simple fact is that God has been plain uh, in all of his word and never more plain than when he has exclaimed to his people that he expects that we be personally involved in evangelism, that we be personally involved in what we as believers today call soul winning. We're, we're going out and we're witnessing and telling others about Jesus Christ. Why do we do it? Number one, we have a call from above. God has commanded us. We looked at this last week, but let's look at it once more. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus' last words as recorded by Matthew. He wants us to understand this. Uh, all of the uh, gospel writers will include uh, some of these last words, Matthew says, and Jesus had said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We have a clear command here. Jesus' last words to his disciples, his words to us. Now, we spoke about this last week. Is this written to just pastors? Now, oftentimes, parents will come to me and they'll say, hey, uh, I think my child is ready to ask Jesus into their heart, and I want you to come over and lead my child. And I'll say, I'll come over and help you. But it's not the job of the pastor. I want to be a soul winner. I want to go out and proclaim the gospel. But it's not the soul's job of the pastor to be the soul winner in the church. Why? My job is to be a soul winner in my private life, but to help equip you to go out and proclaim the gospel to those who are around you. You know, uh, 
several years ago, I had been given the opportunity to go up to Rogers, Arkansas, and to be a part of a small group of pastors that uh, Pastor Wes George uh, kind of, well, he had a couple of days throughout the year where he would just train us. And it was a real blessing. But in that time, I got to meet the Dr. Tommy Henson. And of course, you know uh, where he's, you know where people know him from. If you're from West Memphis, you call him Brother Henson. And if you're from Rogers, they all call him Brother Tommy. So I got to meet him, and what a privilege it was. We're, he was giving practical advice to us pastors, and he told us several instances and wished he wished that if he could go back, he would have done it differently. But one of, one of the things was, he said, you know, when I was at my longest tenured place of ministry, which was here, he said, I knew every single Sunday who was coming down the aisle and what they were coming down for. Now, he equipped the church to be personal evangelist, and he set the model. But one of the things that he felt of in his life, or one of the impressions that he left toward us younger pastors was that it almost became just the responsibility and job of the pastor. And I know that he set the standard, and he equipped the evangelism explosion for the church to proclaim the gospel and to share the gospel. But really, it's not just the job of the pastor or the deacons or just the super spiritual. It's the job of every believer who's been born again to go out and be a witness of the grace of Jesus Christ to those who are around. We have a call from above. God has commanded us to go. In Mark chapter 16, in verse 15, Jesus says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Notice that word proclaim. Uh, the idea that we have when we share the gospel is oftentimes very timid, right? Well, only, Lord, if I get an opportunity, right? Only, Lord, if they smile at me, and as long as they're happy with me, that's when I'm to proclaim the gospel. But my friends, don't you know that when Jesus proclaimed the gospel, the vast majority of people hated him. And when the apostles proclaimed the gospel, those who were in authority hated them. They proclaimed the gospel even more amidst trial and tribulation. And yet we oftentimes will say, well, Lord, we will share the gospel if the environment is friendly. Jesus tells us to go and proclaim the gospel, to say it boldly and without apology. We make no apology that Jesus Christ is the only way. We didn't set the rules. Uh, all we're doing is proclaiming to the world that Jesus Christ is the one and only way to heaven. He is the one and only way to have a relationship with the Father. He is the one and only way for forgiveness uh, and uh, from, from our sins. We make no apology over that. We, we don't say, well, well, uh, well, if you believe that, that's okay to different religions. No. When we proclaim the gospel, we say so unapologetically. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. There is no other way. We've been given a command to proclaim the gospel. John 20, 21, Jesus said again to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So when Jesus says this in John, the expectation is that we would be like Christ. As Jesus came to seek and to 
serve and to reach those who are lost, we as Christians, as those who are being transformed into his image, ought to be those who are going out and proclaiming. Now, as I say that to you, I acknowledge my own deficiency in that. I can say we, but I can say me. I do not share the gospel as often as I would like, but we have been given a call from above. Acts 1-8, write that down in your notes. We've been given a call from above to be soul winners. That's our motivation, but we also have a call from beneath. You know, the doctrine of hell is seldom preached from pulpits today. I have always tried to, with all of my heart, to take whatever text I'm in and go straight toward the gospel. But I found that even in my own preaching, in my own preaching, though the doctrine of, of hell is firm, it's not been preached as often even from our own pulpit as it should be. The fact is that there is a very real place called hell. And if we don't want people to go there, we have to acknowledge that it exists. If we long for people to go to heaven, we've been given a call from above, but there's also a call from beneath. There, there is the vast multitude of people right now, our neighbors, our friends, our family members who are on their way right now to a Christless eternity apart from him in a very real place of turmoil and eternal anguish, a very real fiery place called hell. And we have a call from beneath. If we understand, if we rightly understood what lay before our neighbors and our friends, then wouldn't we risk everything to stop them from going to that place where there's no turning back? I think of that parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 16 in verses 19 through 31. Remember that? Jesus says in Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores. Now, before I move on, the point of this text that I'm reading right now is not to say, look, the rich man's going to hell, the poor man's going to heaven. There have been some uh, theologians who have, said, who have just attached the, the physical wealth to the, the problem of this man, although it contributed his love for money, obviously exceeded his love for the obedience to God. Uh, but the point here is not necessarily that one was rich and one was poor, but Lazarus was covered with sores. Anyways, verse 21, he desired to be fed with, uh, with what fell from the rich man's table. More even the dogs came and licked his sores, and the poor man died and was carried to the angels to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are fixed in order that 
and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, Even or if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Here is this rich man in anguish looking up. And he's saying, Abraham, if you'll just send Lazarus to go and sh if, if, if you can't bring any relief to me, can you send Lazarus to go save my brothers from taking the same path that I have taken? And Abraham says, even if we send an angel... If they don't believe the law and the prophets, they're not going to believe them. Here's this cry from below. Those who have taken the wrong path, those who, who have not followed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, when we think about all of those who are spending an eternity away from Jesus, it should drive us to be all the more passionate about sharing the gospel. I mean... If it doesn't, you got to say, God, do I have a heart? Do I not care? Do I not care that they're perishing around me? That they are dying around me? And I cared about what they thought about me. It's no wonder they see a lack of boldness in the church today. They see a lack of authenticity. Because if we really believed it, it wouldn't matter what they thought of us. Because we've got to share it anyways. If it really mattered, let them ridicule us. Can you imagine, can you imagine Noah saying, if you're going to make fun of me, I'm just going to stop building this ark. Right? This is over with. He's proclaiming the gospel to them. If you're going to make fun of me, this is over with. But every day, year, uh, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, Noah kept building that ark. What would have happened had he stopped? Right? If you really believe that the wrath of God is coming upon mankind and that in, in, if they don't repent of their sins and call upon Jesus as Lord and Savior, they will spend an eternity in hell. If you really believe that, It'll motivate us to share the gospel. And we ought to pray for boldness. Lord, I don't, I'm sorry for my timidity. You know, a lot of times we just ask for boldness and we don't ask for forgiveness for our timidness. We need to ask for forgiveness. God has commanded us to be bold. How dare we disobey him? How dare we let our, our flesh disobey him? We ought to be courageous and bold. Dr. Allison once said, the cry of those who have lived and died without the Savior is enough to send us out. We have a call from beneath. But we not only have a call from above and a call from beneath, but we have a call from without. A call from without. It's easy to look around the world today and see a world that is hurting, that is aching. It would be easier for us to just project 
All right? They're hurting. They're looking for, for satisfaction in everything. They're condemning us. And it would be easy just to say, and it, rightly so, these are evil, wicked people. And it is true to say that. But we ought to, our hearts ought to break for them. The enemy has them so confused, so wrapped up, and they're blind and on their way to a Christless eternity. Can't you see the call from without? The people looking for satisfaction, the people looking to feel that emptiness in their hearts, and yet they're filling it with all of the wrong things. A Gallup poll in February of 2022 says that only 38% of Americans say that they are satisfied. The lowest at any point in their polling. Only 38% of Americans say that they are satisfied. In June of that same year, a global poll revealed that 45% of people have not felt true happiness in more than two years. And 25% don't know or have forgotten what it means to feel truly happy. And don't your heart break over that? People all around you, smiling at you, waving as you go down the road. But they walk back in that house, and that smile falls right off. Because they don't know what happiness is. All they know is what's at the bottom of that bottle, or what's at the end of whatever relationship that they have. They don't know happiness That same poll said that 88% of people are looking for new experiences to make them smile and laugh. They're prioritizing health or personal connections and experiences to gain happiness. More than half, 53%, wish that money could buy them happiness. God forbid that those people would even be in this room today. You have Jesus in your heart, and yet if I just had a little more money, perhaps I could be happy. What a shame that that would be even here in the church. If I just had a little more health, I'd be happy. Listen, I, I know that we walk through difficulties in life. I want to be compassionate with you. You're going to, we're going to walk through those difficulties in life. But Jesus is either enough or he's not. The scripture's very clear. And if you gaze upon him, you'll see he is more than enough. of that same poll attempted to find happiness in online shopping through the pandemic. And so they found real, they felt a little bit of happiness whenever a package arrived at their door. But uh, that's not real happiness, is it? There's a call from without. People searching, people hurting The answer is not politics. The answer is not politicians. Lord, we know that, don't we? The answer is not in all of those things, all of those programs. The answer is the gospel. What's the problem with West Memphis? What's the problem with Marion? Well, you can go back and you can, uh, you can go to the Crittenden County and you can say statistically here and there, but do you know what the problem with West Memphis and Marion and Crittenden County is? There's a lot of people who say that they know the Lord that are going to bust the doors of hell wide open when they die. They don't know 
Jesus. They may have called out upon his name. They may have prayed a prayer. My goodness, all of West Memphis may have at one point or another dumped down in a water tank somewhere. But you can look around our city and our county and you can be sure of one thing. There's a lot of lost people. Don't your hearts break? Don't you see the call from without? Now finally, I want you to see the call from within. We saw the call from above when we first began. But don't you see this call from within? We have called upon Jesus as Lord. And he is our Lord, right? He is our boss. He is our master. Paul says, I am a bondservant of Christ Jesus. I used to be a slave to that sin, and that's all I could do. All I could do was sin. When I was enslaved to sin, that's all I knew and all I was reaping for myself from that slavery, all the benefits that I was earning from that, all of the wages was death. But now I am a bondservant no longer of sin, but of Christ Jesus. And I must obey his call. I must obey his lordship above my own wants, above my own desires. Why? Because Jesus is my Lord. Can you not see the call from within? Jesus says in John chapter 15 and verses 8 through 11, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. Don't you want to bear fruit? Uh... My boy is at a most wonderful stage in childhood, and he's been in this, and he's eight years old. I know it's likely to change very, very soon. He wants to please his daddy. He does. Daddy, what do you, what do you think about? And a lot of y'all are saying, yeah, it's about to change. Don't do that to me. <laughs> Let me think that maybe somehow he'll always just want to please daddy. I know it's not true. But he does, he, he comes at me, Daddy, what do you think about this? And just smiling. He wants my approval. And when he does something wrong, you know what the, I wouldn't say it's the best discipline, but you know what breaks his heart the most? When I say, buddy, you know, that really, really disappointed me that you did that. My dad was the master at that, by the way. No one in my life, even to this day, that I want to please more than my own dad. When I get to heaven, I believe Right after I thank the Lord for Jesus, I'm going to thank you for my mom and dad. I got, to, I got to have a choice in choosing my wife, and I thank God for her. I didn't get a choice in choosing my parents. I have two parents that love the Lord and sacrifice and show me what it was like to love the Lord. And I, to this day, I still want to please uh, uh, my daddy. I, I, want to, I want to make him smile. I always grew up. My dad was always good when we would, when we would do something wrong. Uh, my dad is very emotional, and my mom would just spank us. <laughs> uh, my mom's style of parenting was that of a benevolent dictatorship, minus the benevolence. And uh, she knew that spanking us, and I'm going off track here a little bit, but I'll get back to it. You just hold on. She knew that, that spanking us stopped hurting after a while, so she found a fly switch, you know, one of those old fly swatters. And that boy, wow, right, man, that would. And she'd always wonder in summertime why that thing would be missing. Because we hid that thing under wherever we could find it. But my daddy, before he would do any of the, that, that type of discipline, he would say, kids. And he'd start crying. I just don't know why you want to disappoint me. 
I just don't know why you don't want to just love one another. It was always me and Andy fighting. Always me and Andy fighting. I don't know why my boys just can't love one another. And you know what? We'd just be ready for a spanking by the time it was over with. We felt about that small. Because we wanted to make daddy happy. Don't you want to make your father happy? There's nothing you could do to earn being his child. There's nothing my child could do to earn being my child. Nothing I could do to earn being my son's child. Or my, my dad's son. <laughs> Try to make that make sense. But I'll tell you what. Knowing the character of my father, it makes me want to live up to his expectations. Knowing the character of your father in heaven, don't you want to live up to what he's called you to do? Don't you feel that call from within to go out and proclaim the gospel this week to that neighbor, to that friend, to that family member? Don't you feel that call from beneath? Perhaps they don't know it, but the ground that they are standing on is unstable. And beneath them is a fire. Can't you hear the call from beneath? Don't you hear that call from above? The Father commanding you to go and proclaim the gospel. My friends, you have an incredible, we have an incredible motivation to share the gospel. You don't have to know everything about it, but you know something. If you're here today and you're saved, you know something. Share that something this week. Would you pray with me, please? Father in heaven, I thank you for this opportunity that you've given me to proclaim your word. And I know that I can't motivate uh, these sheep here today. Only you can. Only you can motivate our hearts. Only you can convict me in my heart where I fail in personal evangelism. I pray that over the coming weeks as we learn, we become more equipped and better evangelists and that this week we would see men and women, boys and girls, surrender their life to Jesus and receive forgiveness of sin, escape from hell, unconditional love in Jesus that accompanies that repentance and that calling upon Jesus as Lord. Lord, I pray that you would give us the fruit this week and help us to be faithful uh, to be about your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to First Importance. It is our prayer that you have been blessed by this podcast. We welcome you to join us in person for worship at First Baptist West Memphis on Sundays at 1045 a.m., where our desire is to love God, care for one another, and share the gospel.